Tov. So today's daf is Mem Gimel, and we pick up at the very top of Mem Gimel, um, and um, and we're dealing with the issue of the um, of why is it? So according to the Mishnah, you would take the lulav both in the base of Mikdash and out of the base of Mikdash on Shabbos when uh, the fir- when when the, when Yantiv was the f- when Shab- first day Yantiv fell on Shabbos. So the question is. Why wouldn't you take it? I mean, for us, we don't take it even the first day Yantif falls out on Shabbos. But the first thing the Gemara has to figure out is why don't you take it when Shabbos falls out on Cholamoed? So, you know, let's pick up actually from, let's read that again because it's so important, from the Gemara, three lines from the bottom on Membedam and Ben. So the Gemara says, Amai, why should it be a problem even during the week when um, Shabbos falls out on Cholamoed? Take Lubav then. Tiltuba Almahu, it's just Muksa. The Lidkhi Shabbos. Let Shabbos override Muqla concerns. So, We're afraid you'll pick it up and you'll walk out of the house in order to, and there won't be an Eruv, in order to um, have somebody teach you, teach you the brachas, teach you to do the nanuim. And you'll accidentally carry it in Rishush HaRabim. So, and therefore the reason on Cholomoe you don't do it on Shabbos is you might come to carry it. Now, as we pointed out, Rabbah is picking up on hints in the Mishnah. The Mishnah already spoke about you would bring it to the Shul ahead of time, you would bring it to the Beis HaMikdash ahead of time. It spoke about if somebody accidentally carried it on Shabbos in order to do the mitzvah, they're exempt from a chatas because they were being involved in a mitzvah. But nevertheless, it clearly acknowledges that there's this real concern of carrying. So Rabbah says that's the reason that it is not done um, on Cholomoe. I should say two things. First of all, as I already said yesterday, that's Rabbah's reason. It's not in the Mishnah. It's possible that there were other reasons as well, and we'll discuss. And we'll discuss maybe if you Shami doesn't really have Rabbah's reason. Anyway, we'll discuss other possibilities a little bit as we continue. But that's Rabbah's explanation, and that's assumed to be the reason. Although again, we should note that it's not necessarily stated earlier than Rabbah. Number two, the fact that Rabbah says that they forbade you to take Lula because of this concern, and let's actually read the next line. The next line isn't even Rabbah. The next line is Gemara commenting on Rabbah. The high new time of the shofar, the high new time of the Megillah. By the way, that's also the reason you don't blow shofar on Shabbos when it's Yantiv Shabbos, when, when Rosh Hashanah is Shabbos. And it's the reason you don't read the Megillah. This isn't relevant to us because the 14th never falls out on Shabbos, but in Yerushalayim, walled cities, you don't read, and the Gemara could have happened, you don't read Megillah on Shabbos because of a concern that you'll carry it. Now again, the Mishnayas are clear that you don't blow shofar on Shabbos, and they're clear you don't read Megillah on Shabbos. The reason is not said. The reason here is taken from Rabbah and extended um, to these um, uh, um, to these cases. Now, it should be noted that in, when um, there's a whole debate, as you might be aware, about like whether a, you need six, um, um, what constitutes a Rishus Harabim to be a biblical Rishus Harabim. Um, the Gemara speaks about like wide major streets, but the Gaonim have the requirement of 600,000 people using it. Um, that requirement is not mentioned anywhere in the Gemara. Because of that requirement, that allows us often to have an Eruv to assume we're not dealing with a real Rishus Harabim. Um, you know, sometimes the phrase even becomes, oh, there's no Rishus Harabim nowadays. To which, of course, the response is, uh, what? And like, in the time of the Gemara and then the Mishnah, there were 600,000 people who would use major streets. Like, where did that happen? And part of the challenge to that idea that, um, that you have that criteria for Rishus Harabim is the fact that we make these Gzeiras of not doing a Mitzvah del Raisa, like blowing shofar or taking Lula because you might accidentally carry and that Gezerah would only be if there was a real concern of biblical transgression. Well, clearly then it suggests the idea that Rishas Rabin was a prevalent reality in the time of the Mishnah Gemara if that would have been the basis for forbidding you to do these biblical mitzvot. So that's a critique that some people raise against the idea, Rishonim raise, that there's this 600,000 criteria because that would make Rishas Rabin very rare and it does not sound if it becomes the basis for completely not doing a biblical mitzvah it doesn't sound like it's so rare so that's just an interesting point about that discussion it's also an interesting issue Tosis and Rashi discuss why it says carry it for Amos and Rishis Rabim rather than carrying it from your house out into the street 
which is the more immediate thing you would do is you would step out of your house yeah, right so Tosa says well it's more obvious there like when you make that transition indoors to outdoors you know you, there are more signals to you to, to stop you you'll be aware like oh I can't step out of the house right. it's Shabbos whereas once you're in the street of course how did you get it out to the street to carry it for almost if you didn't bring it out of your house anyway but that is an issue that gets raised as well but this idea of a concern of carrying as is the explanation that is given by Rob and then extended by the Gemara to explain Lula, Shofar, and Megillah why we don't do it on Shabbat. Right, yes. Did I understand correctly? Did you say that the, um, that the, uh, the descriptor of 600,000 as defining criteria is Ga'anic, it's not the Gemara? Right. I mean, the Gaonim claim that it is true to the Gemara. They don't say they're making it up, but it is not mentioned anywhere in the Gemara. Yeah, and Rabba is second generation Amora? Uh, yes. I believe that's correct, yes. All right, so now the Gemara says like this. So the Gemara says, Yehachi says the Gemara two lines from the top, Yomri Shonami. If that is the concern, you might carry it, then you should not be able to do it even when Yom Tov falls out, even even if the first day Yom Tov is Shabbos. Now again, we don't do it. But again, remember, in the Mishnah, they would do it in the base of Mikdash, and out of the base of Mikdash, they would take Lulav, on first day Yatav, even if it was Shabbos. So if, says the Gemara, your concern is you might carry it, what makes the first day special? So the Gemara says, Rishon, Hatakin, Lirabanam, Beveso. No, the first day, after that big, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, um, you know, a mess in the base of Mikdash that, uh, with the fighting and all of that, they said, keep, take it at home, don't leave your house with your lulav. So there's no concern that people will come to carry it. So the Gemara says, one minute. If that's true, that's fine after they had all that fighting and they made the Takana. But it was clear from the Mishnah that before they had that Takana, they were still taking it on Shabbos. That's why they, that's why they brought it to Shul the day before, so they could take it on Shabbos. So clearly, even before the Takana that you have to bring it at home, they, they were allowed to take it on Shabbos on the first day. Why is that? If it's a concern, you might come to carry. So the Gemara says, Michael, what can you say? Ella, fine. Here's the difference, which is the obvious difference. Rishon to Isaminatar Bigvul in the first day, which is a biblical mitzvah, even out of the Beis HaMikdash, Lo Gazer Bahu Rabbanan. The rabbi said, we'll let you take it the first day, even though it's Shabbos, we're not going to be so concerned you'll carry that we won't negate the biblical mitzvah. We'll let you go ahead and take it. Obviously, prepare, bring it to show ahead of time, so don't carry, but we're going to let you take it on the first day Yantiv, which is biblical. Uh, 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 um, one minute. Hanach, the other days of Cholamoed, the less than that is not a biblical mitzvah out of the base of Mikdash. There, the rabbi said, No, I'm sorry, don't take it on Cholamoed. You can take it on the first day, which is biblical, not the other days. Now, why did the Gemara have to say, Is biblical out of the base of Mikdash, not out of the base of Mikdash? Just say, First day is biblical, they let you take it. The other days are rabbinic, they didn't let you take it if it's Shabbos. And the answer is, because you'll remember, our Mishnah is talking about in the base Hamikdash. Right? Our Mishnah says, how would you take it? You'd bring it up to the base Hamikdash, Sheriff Shabbos, etc. So our Mishnah that's talking in the base Hamikdash says you would take the rule of seven days if the first day Yantin was Shabbos, and six days if Shabbos fell out on Cholamoe. So our Mishnah makes it clear that if Shabbos fell out on Cholamoe, you would not take it on Shabbos even in the base Hamikdash. Our Mishnah is describing what they would do in the base Hamikdash and says they would not take it on Shabbos Cholamoed. So the question is, why not? In the Beis HaMikdash, even on Cholamoed, it's biblical. So if biblical is a reason to take it on Shabbos, let me take it on Cholamoed. So the answer is no. Because even though it's biblical here in the Beis HaMikdash, it's not biblical out of the Beis HaMikdash, and therefore it's not weighty enough to take it on Shabbos. Our concern of carrying will override. So that's the Gemara's answer. We have a concern about carrying. We're not going to let you take it on Cholamoed, where it's not biblical out of the base of Mikdash, and even in the base of Mikdash, it's not as weighty, because it's most of the place it's not biblical. That concern of carrying will override. But the first day, where it's biblical for everyone, 
that day that that you can take it even on Shabbos. Take the mitzvah is more important in that context than the concern you might forget and you might carry. Okay, so that's according to the Mishnah that you did take it on Shabbos. Now we're going to have to get to the question about, but we don't take it on Shabbos. So what's that about? Yes. So when we say that the biblical mitzvah overrides the concern of carrying on Shabbos, that means that it's mutter to carry on. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I was trying not to be ambiguous, but I'll repeat it. That it all it is that that obviously you can even if there's a biblical mitzvah you cannot violate Shabbat. The right. whole discussion earlier was if you accidentally viol right. accidentally violated right. Shabbat in the performance of the mitzvah does that get you off of a chasa? Right. But clearly it's prohibited. The question always is though we have these concerns. How much you know are you going to let your those concerns? override other important things that need to be done. So, so the question is, we will let you take it on first day Yantav on Shabbos. Obviously, you have to be sure you don't carry. Bring it to the base of Mikdash on Friday. Bring it to your show on Friday. If you didn't bring it to your show, make sure not to take it out of your house. So, but we're still going to let you take it and, and say, we're not going to be so concerned you might forget that we're going to stop you from doing the biblical mitzvah. So the prohibition, of course, completely exists. But we are, if the first day, if it's the first day and it's biblical, we're going to say, take precautions, but do the mitzvah. We're not going to let our anxieties and our concerns override, override that. So right. it's similar to a brief milah and Shabbat, if all the things have to be prepared. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so that's the position right now. That Yes, obviously it's completely forbidden to do it, to, to carry it on Shabbat, even if you're doing the mitzvah, but... Are we going to stop you from doing it? Are we going to trust you to take the necessary precautions? So here we're saying that in the Mishnah it's clear you could take it on Shabbat as long as you took the necessary precautions. When it's a biblical mitzvah, everywhere on the first day, we are going to, to trust you to take the necessary precautions. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. If that's true, says the Gemara. Um, so nowadays... Why don't we take it nowadays on uh, first day Yanta falls out on Shabbos? The right? Mishnah says you do. Why don't we do it? So the Gemara says, We don't know when exactly Rosh Chodesh is. Which doesn't mean we literally don't know because we have a fixed calendar. But it means we act as if we don't know. We live outside of Eretz Yisrael in a reality of, you know, keeping two days Yantav, of pretending like we like we lived at the time of the base of Mikdash where we weren't sure if we lived outside of Israel when they established Rosh Chodesh. And therefore, we can't say, oh, today it's definitely biblical because we're living in this virtual reality as if it was the time of the base of Mikdash where we would never know exactly is this the first day Yantav or is tomorrow the first day Yantav. So because we're in that uncertainty or in that virtual uncertainty, you know, that mock uncertainty as it were, we do not therefore take it on the first day. So the Gemara says, um, fine, but either who they, the Yadi Bikibu Adiyarcha, those who live in Israel, who don't live in that virtual uncertainty, they live as if they, you know, they, all, they, they, they know the when Rosh Chodesh was made, meaning they live in that reality that they would be at the time of the base of Mikdash where they would know when Rosh Chodesh was. So, for people who live in Israel and only keep one day Yantiv, so Lidchi, let it override, why don't they take the Luav on the first day Yantiv? Um, in, on Shabbos in Israel like they did at the time of the Mishnah so the question says Einachinami you know what you're right they do the Tani Chazah because one Mishnah says Biyomtev Arishon Shachal Shachalios B'Shabbos Kol HaMolich and the Fool of Eim Lahar our Mishnah says that uh, when, when Yantev fell out on Shabbos they would bring their Lulavim to the base of Mikdash from the day before the Tanan Edoch and the early other Mishnah said that we learned at the end of last Perek Lebeis HaKnesset that on Erev Shabbos they would bring it to the show. So Shmamina, so what's the explanation? Would they bring it to the Beis HaMikdash or would they bring it to the show? Now it could be, depends how close you live to the Beis HaMikdash. But the Gemara is going to translate it the following way. That it's talking about two different times of history. At the time of the Beis HaMikdash, they would bring it on Friday to the Beis HaMikdash. When they're after the Beis HaMikdash, they would bring it on Friday to their local shows. So you shmamina. Um, so you. So that is a good proof. So right now, what the Gemara is saying is the fact that an earlier Mishnah said they would bring it to the to the shoals um, on erev Shabbos um, means when there was no longer a base hamikdash, they would still go ahead and take it at show on Shabbos. 
you prepare ahead of time and you take it on Shalish Shabbos. And that shows you that nowadays, um, in Eretz Yisrael at least, it shows you that you could take the Lulav on Shabbos. So according to the conclusion of the Gemara here, now there's not going to be the conclusion at the end of the Daf. But right now, the Gemara is basically concluding that in Eretz Yisrael, when the first day Yantar falls out on Shabbos, thank you so much, you would actually take the Lulav on the first day Yantar. Anybody ever been in Eretz Yisrael on Sukkot? Anybody ever been in Eretz Yisrael on Sukkot when the first day Yantar falls out on Shabbos? Do we take it on Shabbos? No, we don't take it on Shabbos. But right now, that is the Gemara's conclusion, and the Gemara is saying that that's Pshat of the Mishnah that says that they would take it to Shul, Arab Shabbos. It's talking even nowadays with no Beis HaMikdash, that's what you do in Israel. Now, the Gemara is going to reject that later, but right now, that is the position of the Gemara. So we're going to circle back to that. The other question to ask, which we'll circle back to, is why it's more taken for granted, for example, that shofar was not taken, uh, was not blown um, on... Well, you know, let me take a minute to talk about that right now. So according to this, the Mishnah says that Lulav was taken on Shabbos, um, at, at least you know, out of the base of Mikdash, at least in Israel. Um, and the Gemara even thinks that that's what we do nowadays. But if anybody ever learned Rosh Hashanah, you learn that when Rosh, when, when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, they didn't do it um, in the, you know, locally in the Shoals. They maybe did it in the base of Mikdash, but they didn't do it locally. So what's the difference? What? On Shofar, on Shabbos. So why is it when, 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 Yon, when Rosh Hashanah, by the way, it's the same year, if Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, Sukkot falls out on Shabbos, why is it that if Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos, they never took it outside of the base of Mikdash, blew it outside of the base of Mikdash, whereas if Sukkot fell out on Shabbos, according to this, they would take it outside of the base of Mikdash. And according to the Gemara, Gemara even thinks even up till today. So what's the difference? So Tosa says two differences, two important differences. Number one is that Shofar, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, basically almost nobody knew when Rosh Hashanah was, right? By Sukkot, there were two weeks to find out when the first day of Sukkot was because, you know, it had been determined two weeks ago. On Rosh Hashanah, only people in the immediate environs of the Beis HaMikdash knew. So, following the idea that the Gemara said before, we're not going, we do have concerns you might come to carry it. Are the, are, is that going to stop us from doing the mitzvah? Well, the less we're certain we're doing a biblical mitzvah today, because today might not be the first day of Yantiv, then the less we're going to allow you to go ahead and do it. So one easy explanation why it was clear you don't blow the shofar on Shabbos and not so clear about the lulav was because it was a lot less clear than what was the first day of Rosh Hashanah. That's an easy answer. The other answer Tosa says gets to another point I was making, which is that there are other explanations other than a concern of carrying, which might inform why you don't do it on Shabbos. And so it says, when you're taking the lulav, all you're doing is you're just moving something. Like maybe it's a muktzah thing, big deal. It's not considered a big challenge to the idea of Shabbos. So therefore, on the first day, Yantiv will let you take it. Whereas by shofar, you're blowing the shofar. That's like a musical instrument. That's a skilled labor. It's not technically a malacha, but it is like a skill, you know, a, like a, a craft and a skill to blow and play a musical instrument. So that is intrinsically more problematic on Shabbos. So therefore, it was always obvious that you weren't going to blow the shofar on Shabbos out of the base of Mikdash. Whereas by Lulav, which A, it's less of a real violation of Shabbos, you know, at an experiential level. It's just shaking something. So it's rabbinic and it's not the same degree of problematic. And it's, it's more obvious what day is the first day of Yantiv. That's why, according to the Mishnah, you would take the Lulav um, even on Shabbos if the first day Yantiv fell out on Shabbos. Okay, so according to the Gemara, you would do it by the Lulav, at least in Israel, where you would know when Rosh Chodesh would be, maybe not in Bava, but yes, in Israel. And we're still going to have to figure out why we don't do it nowadays. But Lulav is, in the Mishnah, more accepted to be done on Shabbos than the blowing of the Shofar, which it's taken for granted is not. Okay, let's now continue in the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. Okay, where do you know that it's a mitzvah to take the Lulav outside of the base of Mikdash on the first day? Pretty funny, it's pretty... The bigger Kiddush is that it's a mitzvah in the base of Mikdash for the whole week, but okay. The Tani we taught in the Brisa, Ulkachtem, you shall take for yourselves a you know, beautiful fruit, etc. So Ulkachtem in the plural, we discussed this before. The plural language means one person doesn't take it for the collective, but every individual takes it. Mishelachem, lachem, and also lachem, lachem is every individual. Lachem for you, mishelachem. It means it has to be belong to you. Lotias or shavas These are things we've seen before. On the first day, you can't use a borrowed or stolen lulav. 
Bayom on the first, Bayom Harishon is the verse. Vafilu b'Shabbos. The day means whatever happens on that day, that day it's going to be done, done regardless, even if it falls out, to, even if it's Shabbos. Rishon, the first day. Afilu b'Gulit, even meaning that's just Shabbos Pesukim. The first day, everybody has a mitzvah. The idea Lifnei Hashem, which is said at the end, which is understood to be the base of Mikdash, that's for the whole week. But Rishon, no qualifiers. Rishon, everybody has the obligation on the first day. Harishon, the extra hey, the first. That the idea that we said before, that it's Bayom, it takes place even on Shabbos, that's only on Harishon. That's only on the first day, not on the other days, even in the base of Mikdash. So, this is basically an Asmachta. The Gemara is going to try to read it like it's a real drasha. But the fact that it basically is learning from the Pasuk, that you can do it even on Shabbos, but only the first day you can do it on Shabbos, not Cholomoe, that you can't do on Shabbos, right? That's basically a rabbinic issue about yes, doing it on Shabbos, not doing it on Shabbos, only the first day, not Cholomoe. So this is sort of, you know, uh, hanging that on a Pasuk. Bayom, even on Shabbos. Harishom, but only Shabbos is on the first day, can you do it on Shabbos, on Cholomoe, not. So that's what's going on here, but the Gemara is going to try to read this not as an Asmachta, but as a real drusha. So let's see what the Gemara does with it. Yeah. How do you make that determination? That it's an asmachta? Yes. Well, I don't, because the Gemara is going to actually try to claim that it's a real drasha. Right. So but what the gave fact, the idea to even raise? Well, first of all, because here. it does happen in midrash halacha, and the Gemara yes. says it explicitly, and also right. the, because the difference about can you do it on Shabbos on the first day yontif as opposed to cholamoed, we've clearly indicated we who are our rabbinic concerns. Right? So those aren't biblical issues. So we know from a minute ago that those are rabbinic concerns. So clearly then, if it's following the, the what we laid out earlier, then it has to be just an asmachta. But the Gemara is going to try to read it as a real drusha. So let's see what the Gemara Wait, says. Can I ask one last question yeah. about that? So uh, in general, is it accurate to say that if, uh, if, if you do have a situation where it's an asmachta and not a real drusha, it's generally to support a rabbinic concern, or sometimes do they have an asmachta with Allah uh, Moshe Messina? Um, you could have asmachta. It's rare to have an asmachta for Allah Moshe Messina, although you had it before. Right. When in the beginning of the Masechet, you had it about Shiurim. And the Gemara says that those Shiurim are really Halakha Moshe Messina's, and this is really an Asmachta. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but no, but the, the Drusha didn't say it. First, it presented it right, as right. that the whole thing, that all the Shurim are learned out from that Pasuk, and then the Gemara says, no, really, we know the Shurim, Halakha Moshe Messina, that's an Asmachta. So you do have it. All right, so the Gemara now continues. Amar Mar. Bayom Vafilu B'Shabbos. So you can take it on the first day, even on Shabbos. Mirti, let's take a look, says the Gemara. Tiltu Ba'amahu, it's just Muktza. It's Trachral and Mishri. Tiltu, how could you have a real biblical Russia to say, oh, you could take the Lulav on Shabbos? It's a, it's, a, it's a rabbinic concern. What would a biblical Pusuk be teaching you about that? Clearly, you don't need a Pusuk to tell me it's, uh, you override Muktza. So the Gemara says, no. Mirti, Tiltu Ba'amahu, it's Trachral and Mishri. Tiltu, I'm a rabbi, says, I'm a rabbi, excuse me. Uh, well, so he, rather than saying it's an asmachta, he says you really do need the pasuk. And what the pasuk is coming to do is it's coming to allow you to prepare the lulav on Shabbos. Even if you really have to violate Shabbos, you're allowed to make it on Shabbos. Now, we don't pass them that way. This follows, though, the position of Valiba the high tana, the following tana. The tana you taught in the Brisa. So there actually is a position that you can violate Shabbat in order to do Lulav. That's what Rabbi Eliezer says. Now, we know, for example, there are two things that are Hidushim in this statement. For example, we, there are some mitzvot that violate Shabbat, like Brit Milah. Brit Milah, not violate, but override Shabbat. Let's say you didn't pre- do the necessary preparations ahead of time. You didn't sharpen the knife. You didn't. You have to carry the, uh, you know, the, um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the scalpel or whatever it is across Rosh Hashanah in order to do the Brit Milah and so on. Are you allowed to do the preparations for the Brit Milah on Shabbat or just the act of the Brit Milah? So Rabbi Eliezer comes along with this tremendous chiddush and says the Machshirei Milah are also Dechus for Shabbos. He basically even says if you need to chop down a tree to make make a fire in order to heat up your knife, to sharpen your knife on Shabbos for the Brit Milah, you're allowed to do it. Okay, so that's a tremendous chiddish. You can do all these preparations that you could have taken care of ahead of time, not just the act. But that's one thing is to say it in the context of Brit Milah, where the act itself, we already know, no, does override Shabbat. 
And then he does well. Once the act overrides Shabbat, even all the preparations would override as well. Here, by Lulav, he's going one step further. Because Lulav, in itself, doesn't override Shabbat. We never have an idea that, oh, you're allowed to violate Shabbat in order to take Lulav. So he says two chidushim. Number one is actually you can. Let's say, I don't know what the scenario would be, um, but somehow if you had to carry the lulav in order to be yotze the lulav, you had to bring it into Rosh Hashanah. No, actually here's a better example. You had to chop down the lulav from the tree. It's still connected to the tree or something. He says that number one, the mitzvah of lulav overrides Shabbat. Well, that's already, that's a machshirim to chop it down from the feet. The mitzvah overrides Shabbat and the preparations overrides Shabbat. But you can't so, eat lunch in your mother-in-law's sukkah. Because the same Rabbi Eliezer, that's true. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you about that. So anyway, it's a tremendous chiddush. Number one is when you start with a mitzvah that's acknowledged that it overrides Shabbat, like Rit Milah. According to Rabbi Eliezer, you could do all the preparations. And number two, that he says that Lulav, even though the Torah never tells you it overrides Shabbat, he says actually Lulav does override Shabbat. And you could do Lulav and all the preparations to get a Lulav on Shabbat. So with this Russia that says that Lulav overrides Shabbat, that's Rebbe Eliezer. Rebbe Eliezer actually does say that. That it overrides biblical violations of Shabbat in order to do Lulav. Because it's something that has to be done today. It's like the same way we say Bimoado allows you to do a Pesach on Shabbat. You know? So, Lulav, today's the day for Lulav. You can violate Shabbat in order to do Lulav. Amazing idea. Okay, we don't pass him this way. Um, <laughs> so he says, Lulav, the Komachshira of Dochines HaShabbat, Steve Rabbi Eliezer. That's what Rabbi Eliezer says. Um, my time is the Rabbi Eliezer. What's the reasoning of Rabbi Eliezer? I'm a croc, because of what we just said. Bayom, on the first day, Vafilu B'Shabbat. So the same like Bimoado by Pesach means even on Shabbat. Bayom Harishon by Lulav means even on Shabbat. Whatever you need to do. Okay, for Abanan, hi Bayom, my Avdilei. So what does the rabbis do with the word Bayom? Mi Bayolei, they need it. Bayom below Belayla. More, very more simple drasha. That the mitzvah of Lulav is a day Lulav. It's not, is a day mitzvah. It's not a night mitzvah. Where does he know Lulav is only a daytime mitzvah? Rejoice before God seven days, which is then the mitzvah of Lulav in the base of Mikdash for seven days. Only days, not nights. It's a day mitzvah. That's where he learns it from. For Abana, the rabbis, what do you do with the Yamim by the end of the Pasuk, since you already know the idea that it's a daytime mitzvah? Had it just been the end of the pasuk, the word days by the seven days would not have told me daytime only. Because there's another idea of days in the plural by, by sukkah, which means daytime and nighttime. So, um, the same way days in the plural by sukkah means all the days, day and night. Akan, maybe the maybe if it's just been the end of the pasuk by rejoicing before God seven days, nami yami mafilulelos. I would have said it meant night. So therefore, I needed to say yom in the singular and to say it again. And you know, if you say seven days, that's a sense of the whole continuity of time, which includes the night times. One day and the singular and only talking about one suggests daytime. So that's what Yom is teaching me. I could not have learned it out from the word Yamin. I need the word Yom, and it is not to tell me that Lulav overrides Shabbat. Lulav does not override Shabbat. Okay? So the Gemara says, And where do you know that Sukkah itself applies even at night? The Tanur we taught in a Brayta. Dwell in a Sukkah seven days. Yamin vafilulelos. Days means even the intervening nights. Ata Omer Yamin Vafilos, you say day even night. Away in all the Yamin Vilos, maybe days means even sukkah is only a daytime mitzvah. Vidinu. And I can make it a logical derivation about that. Nemer Khan Yamim, it says by sukkah days, seven days. Vinemer Bululav Yamim, it says by Lulav days. Seven days, at least in the base of Mikdash. Mal Alan Yamin Vilos. The same way there, here we're assuming we know the end result. The same way there we know it's a daytime mitzvah. Afkan yami v'lolelos. Maybe sukkahs is also only a daytime mitzvah. So that would be an argument that sukkahs would only be daytime. Oh, klach l'derech Or maybe go this on this path, the op- in a different way. Nemer kan yamim. It says by sukkah seven days. The nemer b'miluim yamim. We've had this before, learning sukkah from miluim, which is actually sort of the context of the, some of the, uh, the parshiot the, these days. So, and it says by the uh, time that the kohanim would stay in the base in the Mishkan when it was being initially constructed, they should say seven days. Yom Valila. There it's explicit. It says dwell in the Mishkan Yom Valila. 
So the same way there it's day and night, which is explicit in the Pasuk, Sukkah is also day and night. So you have, you can compare it to Miluim, you can compare it to, um, to Lulav. So near a Lemidome, let's figure out which one it's more similar to. Let's prove Sukkah from Miluim, because they apply the entire day, meaning it's not one moment in time. Like it's just a continuity. You're in the base of Mishkan. They were in the Mishkan seven days straight, continuously. You sit in the sukkah. It's a continuous mitzvah. Um, the, uh, and let it not. Let's not use an ex- as an example lulav, which is a momentary act um, to apply to lulav. So to apply to sukkah, sukkah and, and the miluim are very similar. It's a continuity of living. So if the Miluim is a continuity of living with nights, the same is true by Sukkah. And you should not try to learn it out from Lula, which is a momentary single act. That's a very logical point. Also, you could even say that Miluim is a similar even, you know, uh, act that you're doing. It's dwelling in a place. So you're dwelling in the Mishkan, you're dwelling in the Sukkah. That's much more comparable than learning it out from Lula, which is a single distinct type of an act. Oh, clock or go on this way. Let's learn out from sort of a mitzvah that applies in future in all generations, sukkah and lulav. The and let's not prove it from miluim. That was a one-time thing. It was not an ongoing mitzvah. So which one is it? Is it like miluim or is it like lulav? Is it a nighttime mitzvah sukkah or only a daytime mitzvah? Talmud Lomar. So the verse teaches teishvu teishvu shava. By Sukkot it says, Basukos Teshvu, and the Bimiluim it says, You shall dwell. Teshvu Yomam Balayla. So the word, same verb links the two. And again, it's not even just one of those technical Zereshavas, it actually is the same action. In both the Miluim and the Sukkot, you're dwelling in a place for seven days. So, Nemarkan Teshvu, by Basukos Teshvu, Veneman Bimiluim Teshvu, you shall dwell day and night. So the same way there, day and night, here, day and night. So again, this is repeating something we've seen before, learning part of the aspects of the myth of Sukkah from the Miluim, a dwelling of se- in a place for seven days. Um, and uh, we pointed out at the time, this connects to other themes about Sukkah, about sort of the presence of God, and the same way the Kohanim were in the, you know, Mishkan for seven days, and the Mikdash connection, and so on. Anyway, for us, it's just a wrap-up of the discussion that Rabbi Eliezer learned from the word Yo, by Lulav that it overrides Shabbat and really overrides Biblical Shabbat whereas the Chachamim say Yom just means daytime and then it gets to this issue about and so it's because we know that Sukkah that means nighttime so Yamin by Sukkah means including night because we see by Miluim so you need the Yom by Lulav to say no Lulav is not like Sukkah and it's not and it's only daytime not nighttime so, so Sukkah is not a mitzvah to it is. It's grama for seven days, but it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not within those seven days, it's continuous, but it's not, as, but the Asesha Zman grama means that it only applies seven days out of the year. So Shabbos is the Mitzvah Asesha Zman grama. <laughs> well, Shabbos anyway, you have the Lotase, and the Ase is linked to the Lotase, so, yes, um, so that's why Shabbos is not part of that discussion. Okay. All right, all right, so the Gemara says like this. Okay, so that is the end of the discussion for now about Lulav on Shabbat, the radical idea of Rabbi Eliezer that it mamish overrides biblical Shabbat, the idea that for us it overrides when it is Doraita, we know what the first day is in Eretz Yisrael, we would take, we would obviously it would not override Shabbat, you'd prepare it ahead of time, you'd bring it to Shul ahead of time and so on, but we would allow you to take it on Shabbat. Um, that's what the Gemara is saying, that is not our practice even in Israel, and we will see when we get to the end of the daf why, how that switches. But right now we're working with some Mishnayot that you would take it in Eretz Yisrael, okay, at least even on, on Shabbat, on the first day. Okay, so now we turn to the second part of the Mishnah, which is the Arafa, the, um, <coughs> the waving of the, you know, of the um, willows. So in the Beit HaMikdash, again, the Mishnah is situated in the Beit HaMikdash. So it says that they would take the Arava six and seven days. Because what they would do in the Mikdash is actually, if you turn, let's turn the page for a minute, turn to Memheim and Aleph, so you see what, how the Mishnah describes what they would do with the Arava in the Beit HaMikdash. So Memheim and Aleph, the Mishnah here, reads the following. Mitzvah Sarava Ketzad, what would be the mitzvah of taking the Arava, again, in the Beit HaMikdash? Malkam Hayel Lematim Yushalayim Benikra Motza. So they go to this place and they get all of these big branches of a Ravas. 
they would sort of stick them in the ground by the edge of the uh, of the altar. And the heads would like lean over, hang over the top of the altar. Now these would basically be the Kohanim would do this, okay? Because only the Kohanim were allowed on all sides of the altar. And they do So this is what they would do for seven days in the base of Mikdash. They would do a sticking of a rubber branches over the, around the Mizbeach. Okay, looked, you know, very, uh, you know, obviously evoked that whole theme of water, like we bring, you know, we bring vegetation into the shul and flowers or whatever. So this, yeah, we do it on Shavuos. Anyway, they'd have, you know, surrounded by a rubbers, uh, the, 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 the Mizbeach, every day of seven days. So now you sort of see where we get our basis for Hoshanas. Every day they would march around the Mizbeach once. That day, meaning day seven, which we've learned is a special day for our Rava, Makivan is a Mizbeach Sheva Pamin, seven times. Okay, our Hoshana Rava. So let's take a look now back at the Gemara. So our Mishnah said that this Arava thing they do for seven days in the Beit HaMikdash. If the seventh day fell out on Shabbos, they would do it even on Shabbos. If one of the other days fell out on Shabbos, then they would not do it on Shabbos, then, then they would not do it on Shabbat. Okay, so sometimes six, sometimes seven, depending on whether Shabbos and, and fell out on the seventh day or not. So the Gemara says like this. Arava b'shvi, my time of your Shabbos. Why is it over on Shabbos on the seventh day? Okay, meaning, you know, I mean, we've already introduced the idea that if we shouldn't do it on Shabbos because it might lead to Shabbos violation. That we introduced when talking about Lulav. Now, why then did Lulav we allow the first day? Because the first day was biblical. So why by Arava, what's special about the seventh day? We've got the problem. Problem is you might come to lead to Shabbos violation. What's special about the seventh day, that when the seventh day was Shabbos, we let it to be done on the seventh day? So let's take a look. So the Gemara says, In order to publicize that it's biblical. Now, maybe this is the first you're hearing that it's biblical, right? Where is it? How, how, how do you know it's biblical? Torah never says, Do the Aravas in the base of Mikdash. So you might remember a Gemara earlier that had two, that mentioned two drashot. One was Arvei Nachal, Arvei in the plural, Achat Lulav, the Achat you know, Le Mikdash, I think was the phrase, that there was the double language said that there was a separate mitzvah of Arava in the base of Mikdash and was learned from the double language Arvei. And another approach said it's not learned from the word Arvei, it's just the Halach Lemosha Misinai. Okay, but there is an, but there is the, the assumption is, is that this ritual of the Arava in the base of Mikdash is biblical. So Rabbi Yochanan says, so we have to make sure, allow it one day to override Shabbat. Again, it's not a biblical violation. It's just overriding concerns. Right? We're not going to be concerned that it will lead to a Shabbos violation. Okay, we have to allow it one day on Shabbat so people should understand this is not just some crazy ritual. This is a real biblical thing. And they'll see that because they'll see that we'll even do it sometimes on Shabbat. Okay, so that's what he said. Um, but again, no Shabbos violation is actually taking place. Today, to publicize that this really is something that is biblical. So the Mark says, Ihahi, if that's true, let Lulav on Cholomoid override as well. So people should know that it's biblical. Now, know what that what's biblical. The first day people know it's biblical. But what might people not realize by Lulav is biblical? The, the other days, right? So here the point is, you're doing this in the Beit HaMikdash, okay? And people might not realize that the Arav is biblical, so we let Arava be done on Shabbat. People might not realize, says the Gemara, that the other days of Lulav in the Beit HaMikdash is biblical. So let's allow another day to override Shabbat, not only the first day. So the Gemara says, no, Lulav, Zerim Yishum Rabba. We can't let you take Lulav on Shabbos, in the Beit HaMikdash, on the Ancholah Moed. You might come to carry so the Gemara says, So, same issue. So, you know, you're basically saying, don't worry about Rabba's concerns in order to publicize. So if you want to say, so, why is still Lulav did? And then Arava, we know what the concerns are. But by Arava, we want to publicize. So let's also publicize Lulav. That Lulav in the base of Mikdash is, is, is biblical on Cholomoe. So the Gemara says, no. Arava, Shluchei Beistin Maisila. Lulav, Luchol Masur. Arava is handled by Shluchei Basin. Meaning, what happened? If you remember, we just read the Mishnah. It says they would send down people, they'd gather the Aravas. Arava was done, all, it was not basically a big public thing. 
Even a rubber in the base of Mikdash, you know, messengers of Basin would gather the Aravas. Who would put the Aravas by the Mizbeah? Kohanim. It would not be a big public, public thing. So therefore, we can allow it to be done on Shabbos um, and we're not so concerned. Whereas Lulav, when it was done in the base of Mikdash, what did we read in the Mishnah? We read that everybody came to the base of Mikdash. There, those concerns are going to be heightened concerns. Now, the other day, I think it was Sam, I think it was you asked, so I don't get it, but at least let the Kohanim take it in the base of Mikdash on Cholamoe, the Lulav, right? So Tosos basically addresses that. And Tosos says, look, if we're not letting, fundamentally it's something that everybody could do. So once we're disallowing everybody to do the lulav on Shabbos, we're not going to only allow the Kohanim. But as opposed to the Arava, which starts by something that is uniquely a Kohen ritual, so there, it's not like you don't do it and you do do it. In general, it's only done by the Kohanim. That we can allow on Shabbat. So what is the Gemara saying? The Gemara is saying the following. There's no biblical violation in any of this. It's all rabbinic concerns. Are we going to allow those rabbinic concerns to get in the way of doing the mitzvah? By lulav, we're going to let you do the biblical mitzvah on the first day where everybody has it. But we're not going to let you do it in the Beis HaMikdash on Cholam Moed, even though it's biblical in the Beis HaMikdash on Cholam Moed, we're not going to allow it. In concept, a rava, which is biblical in the Beis HaMikdash, but only in the Beis HaMikdash, we will allow on day seven, in order that people should realize how important it is, that it is a biblical idea. So... Well, let, 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 let's allow Lulav on Cholam Moed because it's biblical in the base of Mikdash and let people know that it's biblical in the basement. No, Lulav is too much of a public event. So we're only going to allow it on day one where it is biblical for everyone. We're not going to allow it on the other days. A Rava, which is a more controlled ritual and limited ritual, that we will allow even, uh, you know, we will allow in the base of Mikdash even on Shabbat when the seventh day is Shabbat so that people are aware that this is a biblical mitzvah in the base of Mikdash. Do, yes. do you have any Thought, you know, there's so many korbanot offered on Sukkot. How right. do you do that with all these branches covering over on the stairs? I mean, the mizbeach was big. It was 32 amot. It was, know, uh, it was like 50 feet. No! Yeah. This, uh, they're, they're surrounding the base and there's a little overhang at the edges. Like, imagine you just have a, like a little canopy like on that's top of you. Yeah. You want to see me draw it? Looks like filling now. It's like gym. <laughs> it's like Okay, so we're going to get that to that. That was not yet at the time that this was being written, but that will be the case. So let's keep on reading. So the Gemara says like this. Yehachi says the Gemara, um, So look, says the Gemara, why pick day seven? There are, it's biblical every day. So let every day, let it always override Shabbos, you know, Arava. Again, not override because there's no violation, but let it be done on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, No, that will undermine the special nature of Lulav. Now you're letting a Rava override Shabbos whenever Shabbos falls out, and Lulav can only be done on Shabbos on the first day. So you don't want a Rava to be more important than Lulav. So you have to give a, a Rava just one day that it, can, that it can be done on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, Okay, let's make it the same day. When the first day Yanta falls out on Shabbos, you do both Lulav and a Rava. Why give it a separate day? 
So the Gemara says, no. It's not then obvious that a rubber is what's going on here, that it's because of a rubber. The whole point, the whole you know, special nature of a rubber is lost. That was the whole point of allowing it to be done in the first place. Army people will say, Oh yeah, you know why we're doing this stuff on Shabbos? Because we're doing it because of Lulav. Once we're doing it, Lulav, we do the Arava thing as well. But nobody <coughs> recognizes the importance of the Arava ritual. So the Gemara says, Litri Bechad Mehanach. Okay, fine. We get you want to give it only one day, not every day. You want to give it a distinct day. Why give it day seven? Give it one of the other days. It says, no. Kivan the Kamaskis Lamirishan, once it can't be day one, Ukmashvi, you give it the seventh day, you know, any middle day is, gets lost. You, beginning or the end are very distinct points. Okay, now, by the way, that's interesting because as I read to you from the following Mishnah, and as we know in our experience, Hoshana Rabbah is a special day, right? And you do a whole thing and you do it seven times and the whole thing. So why didn't the Gemara say here the reason we gave it the day seven was the day to override Shabbos was day seven was the big deal. It was Hoshana Rabbah, etc. It sounds a little bit from this Gemara that it worked in the opposite. That the reason day seven became the big deal and became Hoshana Rabbah was because we needed to pick one special day for our Rabbah and once it wasn't going to be day one, we picked day seven. Now that's not normally the sense you get. Normally the sense you get is that you're building up to a climax, right? You, you walk around every day, sort of like the whole Eureka story, you know? You go, you do walk and you walk and then day seven, like that's the, that's when it all comes to a culmination. So it is funny that the Gemara didn't just say, because day seven is the special day of a rubber. It sounds like it came through the back door. We had to pick a day to be the special day. It wasn't going to be day one, so we'll pick day seven. Alright, anyway, so Gemara says like this. Um, so let it override today. So today, why don't we do Hoshana Rabbah on Shabbos? Why don't we take it on Shabbos out of the Beis HaMikdash? Now the point is, Rashi and Tosa supposed to ask one minute. The only way we said that we allow it was because there were, it was not a huge public ritual, that it was done just by the Kohanim. You know, so well, what's this question do it today? Today it's, it's become a public ritual. So they say, well, maybe we should do it today and also like in a more controlled fashion, only somehow let it be done in a supervised way with shluchay basin. It's a funny question because we've already explained that the only way we were allowing it was because it was a more limited ritual. Anyway, let's see what the Gemara's answer is. We don't know when Rosh Chodesh is, so we don't really know which day is exactly day seven, and or we pretend like we don't know, and therefore we don't have those er, those earlier allowances. So the Gemara says, "Inu diyadi So those in Eretz Yisrael that know when Rosh Chodesh is, let it be done. Why don't they do a Hoshana Rabbah ritual on Shabbos? So the Gemara says. He asked Barhedia Amra when Barhedia came. He said, from Eretz he said, it never happened. Hoshana Rabbah never fell out on Shabbos. Now, by the way, that is the way that our current calendar works. Because if anybody knows the basic mnemonic, anybody know this? If you don't know this, you should learn this. It's basically, it's Lo Adurosh and Lo Bidu Pesach. So Rosh Hashanah never falls out on on Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now, Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot fall out, uh, first day Sukkot fall out on the same day. So Sukkot, the first day Sukkot never falls out on Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now, Hoshana Rabbah is which day of Sukkot? Day 7. So if Hoshana Rabbah were to be Shabbos, what day of the week would the first day of Sukkot have to be? If Hoshana Rabbah is Shabbos, come on, not hard. Right, if this right, is Shabbos, right, no, if this is Shabbos, <laughs> that's day seven, which, which Sunday is day one, right? right, right so if Hoshana Rabbah is on Shabbos, okay, so then no Sukkot would have to be on day one, but it's no Adurosh. So in our current calendar, Hoshana Rabbah will never fall out on Shabbos, okay? So, but the time the Gemara was being written, they did not have the fixed calendar. But they just are saying it never fell out that way, which means that they constructed it so it would not fall out that way. Now, that's a little bit bizarre, because the basic point is, you know what? If it were to fall out that way, it would override Shabbat. But we did not want to have to deal with that, allowing this whole Hoshana ritual to override Shabbat, because, you know, it's not even biblical nowadays anymore. It's not in the base of Mikdash. So we, can, we, we made sure it would never actually happen. That was the first answer. 
So Kiyosa Ravi, when Ravi <coughs> came from Eretz Yisrael, Vakol Nechusei, um, and all those that made Yerida, that's what it literally means, with him, all those coming from Israel to Babel, Omni, they said, Ikla. No, actually, it has fallen out on Shabbos. Below Idachi, and we didn't let it override. Now, why not? According to the Mishnah, you should override Shabbat. Hoshana Rabbah, or override, be done on Shabbat. Velakasha, but it's difficult. So Amr of Yosef, Man Leimalan to Arava Benetila, who told you that the act of Arava that they would do in the base of Mikdash, that we said is done seven days and is done on Shabbat, just means like the holding of the Arava, and the, or the walking around of the altar, like right. we mentioned. Dilma Bizakifa. Remember, when we read the Mishnah, the first thing you point is that they would put it by the altar. And therefore what? So therefore he's saying, our current ritual of walking around on Hoshana Rabbah and whatever is not the ritual mentioned in the Mishnah. The ritual mentioned in the Mishnah is the putting of it by the side of the altar. And therefore, he says, it actually is something that we don't do nowadays. So your argument, if the Mishnah let it be done on Shabbos, let's do it nowadays on Shabbos, we don't do what was done in the Mishnah. The thing the Mishnah was talking about was putting it by the altar. What we do is a different thing. It's just the walking around. So, Eisvei, Abaye, Abaye asked on this. You would do Lulav and Arava six and seven days. My lot. So the fact that it's talking about Lulav and Arava in the same breath. Lulav ke Arava. My lot ke Lulav. It must mean that what you did was Yarava like what you did by the Lulav. Ma Lulav binatila. Afarava binatila. So the same way by Lulav we're just talking about holding it by Arava also. So yes, the ritual in the Mishnah is not the ritual of planting it by the altar. The ritual of the Mishnah is the marching with it. And we do it nowadays, and we should do it on Shabbos. So the says, Me, the area, is that a proof? Each one is according to its parameters. So Lulav by holding, and the Rava, maybe the Mishnah was only talking about the planting by the altar. Okay, Abai is going to cry again. This is the Mishnah we read. Every day they walk around the altar once. And that day, day seven, they'd walk around seven times. My love, Be'arava. So you see the Mishnah emphasizes the ritual of walking around. And it means walking around with the Arava. So that's the ritual. And that we do, and, and that we do nowadays. And it says, Lo, Belulav. No, maybe the walking around, the Arava ritual was just the, the putting it by the altar. And the walking around was what we did by the Lulav. That's what we do nowadays, is we do a marching around with a Lulav. But we have our Arava. All right, but it's not, it's not specifically the mitzvah of Arava. The but mitzvah of Arava... In other words, they're saying... Yeah. All right, the mitzvah of Arava that is underscored in the Mishnah, that's done seven days, including Shabbos, is the mitzvah of the Mizbeach. That's the argument, which is not done today, which is why we don't do it on Shabbos. Okay, whereas the other rituals were more focused on the whole Lulav experience. But doesn't Rav Nachman say that no, it was done with the Arava alone, it wasn't a Rava ritual? Amalei, he said back, who He said it was an Arava. But I don't agree. I think it was a Lulav. And that explains why we don't do it on Shabbos, because they would not do a marching ritual with the Arava. It marked. It was taught. So it was a debate. Was the marching ritual with a Lulav, or was it with an Arava? Now, Okay, so Amale, so, and just to end this, Amale Rabba the Rav Yitzchak, Bray, Rabba said to Rav Yitzchak, Bray the Rabba Barbarchana, the son of Rabba Barbarchana, Bar Uriah, son of a lion. Let me tell you a great thing your father used to say. That that the Mishnah says, that they did a seven day marching ritual. It was with a lulav, not the arava. And that's why we don't do the arava ritual today, because the arava ritual was really about the altar. Okay? So we will pick up with here tomorrow, but the question we're left with is, why nowadays do we not do the arava ritual on Shabbat? And the current answer, the one answer the Gemara is contemplating, is either we manipulated the calendar so we don't have to deal with it, or, number two, the ritual of the arava that was done on Shabbat was by the altar. And the ritual we do of the marching was not the focus of the Arava ritual. And that's the reason we don't do it on Shabbat, because we don't have that ritual anymore. But we're going to wrap this discussion up. We still haven't finished it. We'll continue it tomorrow.